0: Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Hope everybody's doing well tonight. Am I good? Okay. On the way up here, on the way to church, um, Susanna is an ocean of questions. And she asked me, Why do you have to preach? And I said, well, sometimes, you know, God calls people to preach, and so you have to follow His leading. I think I want Him to start following my leading, she told me. And I said, well, it it doesn't work that way, you know. We follow Him, He doesn't follow us, you know. (laughs) Sometimes we try to make it that way, but it doesn't work out like that. We end up in shipwreck when uh, when we try to do that. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Peter. And we're going to probably go to a handful of places after this. But we're going to go nice and slow. As the Lord leads, we're going to be talking about the subject of faith. And, um, man, it's a big subject. Like I said, as God leads, I mean, we're not bound to a system, not bound to notes. I mean, we do our best to follow the Lord, you know. And... um, He has the answer for everybody. But we can go back here to some fundamentals and see what the Bible has to say on the subject. And you can't learn it all in one night. You can't learn it all in in one year. You can't learn it all in one eternity. And that's the thing about it is it is a forever growing, developing lifestyle. We say we're talking about the subject of it. It's not a subject. It's a life. And uh, there's so much in God's Word about it, but uh, let's just dive in here. 1 Peter, the first chapter. We're going to start in in the third verse. It says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope. Now the word hope in the Bible means a white hot expectation it's not talking about worldly hope you know worldly hope is wishing upon a star godly hope is a white hot expectation and we have white hot expectation if you say i don't have one first of all are you born again yes i am well then fan the flame on the inside of you because paul told timothy to stir up the gift that is within you and a lot of times you know you want to come to church to feel something and sometimes we do a lot of times, you know, I won't go fast and pray, and it's good to do that. I want God to touch me. Well, God's already touched us, really. And see, something's already on the inside that we carry around. There's someone on the inside of us everywhere that we go. And there's something deposited inside the heart of every single believer. The Bible says God's given every man the measure of faith. And we're going to see what, you know, the Lord willing... We only have a few minutes here to see what the Bible has to say on what faith is. And maybe, you know, we can, we can talk about what faith is not if we have time. But let's, let's uh, not get off our, our path here. It says, He's begotten us to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Here we go now. Wherein, in all what he's talking about right here. Wherein, in this, we greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Somebody says, "If I, I've not been through manifold temptations yet. Inhale and Exhale. It's coming. Amen. Are you out there? Keep breathing. It's going to happen. Verse 7, it says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, we love Him. In whom though now we don't see him, yet we believe and we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now I've never seen Jesus, but I believe he exists because the Bible says so. I never saw the stable that he was born in. I didn't see Mary, but I believed that it was a supernatural conception and that she bore the birth of God's Son. Because the Bible says that the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. I didn't see that happen, but I believe it because the Bible says so. Now, I did not see them beat Him. I didn't see them drive the nails through His hands and feet. I did not see the spear go through His ribcage into His heart. I didn't see them take the body down. And I didn't see God place the sin or the curse upon Him. And I didn't see Jesus go into hell into the belly of the earth. And I did not see him come out of the grave. But I believe it all happened. Because the Bible says that it happened. I don't have to see it. And, and I've been uh, over the past 20 some odd years. Really my entire life. But really 20 years of, of my own getting up and walking for myself. That over a period of time that when the Word of God is just hammered and hammered and hammered, I'm talking about you taking it yourself. Instead of trying to memorize a bunch of Scripture to get the star and the badge, hey, I read through the Bible in a year, instead of looking at it of trying to earn something from God, you're looking at it as I'm feeding on God. To where eventually there is such a strong assurance, a confidence in what the Bible calls plain Jane faith, that you would have to cut my head off before I would ever say, Jesus is not real. You, You follow me? And you know, we have it made here in America, in the United States. Did you know over in other countries, I mean, people are, even today, right now, there are children that they are murdering for the sake of the gospel. There are martyrs all over the world. We have the luxury that we are completely safe, even in a government you know, uh that half the countries want to go one way, but nevertheless we're still safe, have that privilege that we don't have to face that. But if we ever did face it, I don't I'm not I don't I don't have to stand strong. It stands strong for me. Because there's something down here that wouldn't let my mouth say Jesus is not real. There's something in me that would say wouldn't let my mouth say Jesus did not he, he did not take the sin upon his body. Something's in here that won't, let me, won't permit me to say it. I don't have to be strong. You know, in Ephesians, he said, you be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I don't have to be strong because he's strong for me. Because the more of it, it gets in here, you know, the stronger it'll become. But notice that he says this. In that seventh verse, God calls our faith more precious than gold. Now think about it. He calls our faith more precious than gold. Now in our lightning fast mind, we say that can't be so. We want the gold. He says, no, trust me. The faith is far more precious than gold. Because gold will perish. Gold can only go so far. But faith is going to be going for the next millennium and the next millennium. And forever and forever and forever. It holds us forever. It It is our it is the foundation of our life is faith in Jesus. Now, um, in Ephesians, without, without turning to it, because we don't have a lot of time here, Paul talks about taking on the armor of God in the 6th chapter of Ephesians. Without going and mentioning all, because you know he talks about the helmet of salvation, the, the, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of the peace, you know the breastplate of righteousness, your loins girt about with truth. And then he says, but above all this you know we miss that sometimes because he says but above that's in ephesians six sixteen. he said above all this you take the shield of faith wherewith what did he say wherewith what you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked so turn with me to, to hebrews the 11th chapter and I'm not uh, sophisticated enough to use the computer screen up there, so my apologies. I'm Amish. We have to go back, we have to, we have to use the Bible, or I do, but you can jot these down. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Now, I'm reading from the King James Version, but there's several different translations that are good. We're going to read right here and just look and see what faith, what faith is. Because there's a lot of questions, you know. And uh, over the years, I mean, I've really made a lot of mistakes in the name of faith. But it didn't mean that I stopped. Did you know, and I, I'm not a pilot, but I'm real interested in it. Uh, Daddy used to fly, uh, I think, little crop dusters. But uh, the law of flight and lift have been on this planet since day one. So is the law of electricity. So is the law of gravity. I mean, we've all, gravity's been proven though since day one. I mean, if you don't believe in gravity, jump off something and it's going to stand true. But the laws of flight, lift and flight with an airplane, they have been in operation since, since God put Adam and Eve on the earth. Just Here in our recent history, you know, man discovered it. But they didn't fly on day one. You know, if you go kind of study it out, because they knew that, uh, and it was in the heart of men that men can fly. Just like it was in the heart of man to go to the moon. Remember, God told Abraham, look up and count the stars. It's been in the heart of man to go to the moon, and man did it. It's been in the heart of man to fly, and man is flying now. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you can go right down here, border plane. You can, be, I mean, you can be in California in three hours or four hours. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. What's even more amazing is my grandmother is 96 years old. And I remember sitting, used to sit with a man. He remembered when the Titanic sank. And he, he remembered the days of hooking up horse and buggy. And he saw the days of horse and buggy. And if you didn't grow it, you didn't eat. Until the days of men, not only walking on the moon, but now you, anybody can grab a telephone. Now it's on your watch. You can push a button. You can talk to somebody in Australia if you want to. That's amazing, isn't it? You see how knowledge has increased so quickly? Well, when folks started trying to discover or, or trying to figure out the laws of flight and lift, you know, in the beginning, you know what they thought? Well, if I can flop. You know? And a lot of people flopped right to an early grave, and a lot of people got a lot of people flopped into a uh, to some crutches and everything like that because they realized it don't have nothing to do with flop. It had it has to do with how they could get that wingspan out there and how they can go so fast and rise up. Because the thing about it is, they knew that that law is constant and it works. Well, the law of faith is constant and it works. Now, I've missed, I have flopped. You follow me? I have flopped in the name of faith before. But something in me said, I put the wings down and start learning how to the lift and the flight part. Because it, the Bible says it is a law. Just like gravity, just like electricity, just like, just like the laws of... Uh, like we say, flight and lift. The Bible calls it, it's the law of faith. He said, are you justified by the works of the flesh? Or are you justified by by the law of what? Of faith. Well, the easiest thing in the world to do, but the most miraculous thing in the world to do is to believe that we are now born again through what Jesus did. And everybody in this room would all, we would all say, we didn't do a thing in the world, but believe it. And the Bible says, since I believe it, this is the way I speak it. And he says, you hold fast the confession of your faith, which means we should all say every day, I am born again. Jesus died for me. Jesus took my sin. He took the curse and he rose from the dead for me. And thank God, he's fixing to return back for me. You see, that's the holding fast a confession of our faith. And everybody would agree to it. But he's not just our ticket out of hell. See, he wants to be much more than that. Much more than that. Well, I have flopped a lot in faith, you know, but I didn't quit. You know. And that's one thing about uh, principles in, in the kingdom of God is there's no room for a quitter. Now, have you ever read the fourth chapter of Mark's gospel? I mean, you should. You should read it a lot. He's talking about the parable of the sower. And there's four types of people or four types of soil in there. You know, three of them, three of them uh, didn't get the word of God. It didn't take effect in them. But the last person reaped a, a crop of, of uh, 30, 60 and 100 fold. Now, the first one was uh, the first person, you know, he said, well, they they got the, the seeds cast along the wayside. Immediately, Satan comes for the word that's on and steals it out of their heart. Well, that happens all the time. The second time he said the other ones got, uh, you know, rocky ground or it's rocky soil so it couldn't just take root. The third fella, it, it was thorns and bushes and the cares of this world came in there, you know, and it took the word away. Well, I have, I'm not a gardener, but I've done a little bit myself and I know folks that have. I've never in my life just walked out and automatically seen perfectly good soil. And I grew some, some humdinger tomatoes this past summer. I mean, it was a miracle of God himself. I think we gave away over two or three hundred. I mean, seriously, I mean, I was like, we can't have any more. But uh, when I was fixing that ground, let me tell you something. It was rocky. There was junk in it. It was not good soil. It was not perfect. But I kept working it. You see, you follow me? The, the thing is that somebody says, man, I, I just, Lord, I'm rocky soil. If you quit, you're rocky soil. If you don't quit, this right here, the beauty of this seed versus the old tomato seed. The tomato seed, if it don't take tough, this seed is the seed that will chunk the rock out, chunk the briar out. You see, you follow me? And if you're starting to get on the wayside, it'll yank your rear end back over here in the right soil. Because this seed continues to work, you know. It'll take shape, take form if you keep on. But if you quit, guess what happens? Nothing. That's what happens. If you quit, nothing happens. All right, real quickly, because we are running out of time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Quiet. And, uh, all right, Hebrews 11.1. One. I said around time. She said, "Uh huh." I said, "Yeah." All right. Real quickly, chapter eleven, verse one, and, and we're, this is probably as far as we're going to go. He says this: "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Now, those first three words is very, very important. Now faith is. It is not tomorrow. It's not next week, it's not next year, even though if you don't stop, it'll be that it will have grown tomorrow, next week, next year. But faith is present tense. We're born again right now. You know, I don't know of anybody in this room that honestly would say, "Are you saved tomorrow?" you know Here's a question. Does everybody in here believe they're going to heaven? Okay, there's a few people like let's say let's use my mother for, for instance. Do you believe she's going to heaven? Do you believe she believes she's going to heaven? No, she don't believe it. She knows it. You see, Do you believe anybody in heaven believes they're going to heaven? Of course not. They know they're there. We believe we're on our way. They know they're there. It's kind of like, you know, you know. do you believe you're going to get married next month? Yeah. Two weeks from now. You believe you're going to get married two weeks from now? Yeah. Two weeks after you're married. You still believe you're going to get married? Yeah. No, you don't. You know you're married now. There's no use in believing then. You see that? When you get things in line here a little bit differently, you understand. There's a difference in believing and a different difference in knowing. Anyway, now faith right now. Now this is now if you if you got a pen or whatever, this ought to be this would be pretty good to jot down here. It says faith is the is substance. Now the Hebrew word for substance This is what the Hebrew actually or literally says, right? Or the Greek literally said when he said, Now faith is that which has a firm foundation and that which has actual existence. That's what it is. It is a firm foundation and actual existence. And the things of God, you know, we, we talk about, you talk about different, different things that, that the Lord's provided, you know. And uh, Paul said one thing, he said one thing in Philippians, he said, There's one thing, one thing that I do. He said, I forget things that are behind me, but I press forward to things that are before me. But right before then, he said this, I have not obtained everything that I have been obtained for. And what he was saying is, listen, God has done so much for us. That our goal is to obtain everything and walk in everything that he's done for us. But this is, the rea- this is not a, a curse on anybody right here or a negative outlook. This is just a reality. As long as we're in this flesh body, we ain't going to achieve it. Are y- y'all follow me? Because, you know, have you ever read 91st Psalm? Where he says he'll give his angels charge over you. You'll not even dash your foot against a stone. In other words we'd say you not even stumped your toe. Because in the first part of that he says he that dwells and abides under the shadow of the almighty. There's a key to abiding under the shadow of the almighty. But has anybody in here have you never stumped your toe? All right, then who's lying? Our toe or God? You follow me? He's not lying. Jesus is the only person that never, has never even stumped their toe. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out right here. Some folks would probably want to argue a theological whatever argument over it. After Jesus was circumcised when he was a child, this is just my opinion. Now, I don't believe his blood was ever seen since until he went to the cross. Because he walked, led by the Spirit... Absolutely exactly how God Himself would have walked on the planet. See, a lot of times folks say, Man, he smashed his fingers when he was working. I don't believe he did. I don't believe so. He didn't he didn't smash, he didn't take the old knife and drill the like we've all done. Everybody a lot of the men are going, yeah. And he didn't cuss while he did it either, you know. <laughs> because we've all smashed, every man in here smashed their uh smashed their Yeah, it's a bad deal. (laughs) You would rather break your finger than smash it. (laughs) That's the truth. Jesus didn't smash his finger. Because he walked completely, totally led by the Spirit. He didn't grieve the law. He was the law. And he lived it perfectly. Perfectly. He didn't dash his foot against the stone. Did you ever read when the crowd tried to get him? It says that he walked completely through them. You know, I mean walked through them. It wasn't until he made that decision in Gethsemane, give me the cup, I'm drinking it. Until his, his blood started to see oxygen again out, outside his body. Because that's when he started the blood covenant right there. And if Jesus didn't take that, and, and the cup was symbolic, what He was talking about when God said, I, you know, I need you to drink this cup. He's talking about the, the curse and everything. Until He received that, and th- this is the thing, He never did anything to have the curse upon Him. He received it upon Him on faith by faith. But we never did anything to get the righteousness of God upon us. We received it by faith. So, when Jesus took that cup and started drinking it, that was when his body could literally be, start to be torn apart. Because and, remember, even when he stand up and he uttered the words, I am, what happened? And uh, there's several hundred people in the garden. Guess what happened to him? The Bible says they all fell backwards to the ground. I mean, nobody could get to him. But this is the thing now. He's the only person that never, ever grieved, never missed it. We do miss it. If you miss it, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Let it be a learning experience. Do not let it discourage you. And just say, well, God don't care about me, you know, go kick the cat or whatever. Don't get angry and upset about it. Because His blood was shed even for these faith blunder mistakes that we make. He wants you to keep moving because Paul said, I forget what's behind me in Philippians third chapter. And he says, I press forward. And the idea of pressing is there is a labor that you put into it of pressing forward into the things of God. Now, God provided everything for us. And you go back and read Ephesians, you're going to find out eight times, eight or nine times, I think, in the book of Ephesians alone, the first chapter of Ephesians alone, he considers all of his work, everything, 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 every single thing that you could possibly want, desire, need has already been provided for after Jesus went to the cross. Everything. Everything. You know, the psalmist says this, he he, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. This is the table. When Jesus, Jesus has set the table in the presence of our enemies. You know, if you're born again, this is the reality of it. There is inside every single believer enough joy to sustain you forever. In the middle of a storm, You can cash in if we we act upon God's Word, cash in on the joy of the Lord or the peace of God inside of your heart, of your spirit. But there is an action. We have to act on His Word. If we don't act upon His Word, nothing will be done. Because James says, faith without works, that's a loose translation. The Greek says without a corresponding action. Grace, remember it says we're saved by grace. The same word saved is not just saved from hell. It's everything. You're made whole. See, even our everything, even divine healing, even, even a, uh, a sound mind. And that's something that is people need today. Peace of mind. Everything, the list goes on and on. It's been provided by grace. Grace is all God's part. It is a past tense accomplishment. Adolf Hitler did not have to go to hell. He's there, but he didn't have to. Because the blood that Jesus shed by grace belonged to him just as much as it belongs to us. Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden... They did not have to go. That blood was written in their names just as much as it was written in our names. But we have given corresponding action to what God provided by saying, I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And by doing that, the Bible says you have been recreated Born again, and the life and the nature of God now lives inside of your spirit. You are a new creature. You're not remodeled. And this is all done. You know, our faith is a positive response to what God has already done. And I think sometimes the worst part, and this is just my mind now, sometimes the one of the worst parts of people that are in hell today. Is when, when they leap, step outside of their body. People say it's all over. No sweetheart. It's just beginning. When you step out of your body. It's just the beginning. And the people that realize. I did not have to be here. Because it was paid. Everything had been paid. If if we had time, we don't have the time, we could go back even in the book of Hebrews and prove that the race, and and God has a, you understand, He has a general plan for the church and a general plan for man, and then He has a specific plan for the individual. And everybody in here should understand that, you know. But He, Jesus, this is, somebody says, how can He do this? Because He's God. He has already run your individual race all he wants us to do is learn to follow him because how can you follow somebody that don't know the way why would you follow somebody don't know the way he already knows the way now a lot of times we hit a roadblock we hit left turns right turns sometimes we go through these tunnels and, and you're actually right on the heels of Jesus, and we don't even know it. We want to say, this can't be right. But when you know you hear from God, you stick with it. That's right. You see? And the hardest thing in the world for people to do is stick with it and do nothing. Because there, there's also scripture in the Bible that says, be ye still, don't move. And boy, for people that are always wanting to be on the go... That's the hardest thing in the world to do when he says, be still. Don't move. Stay steady. You know, stay steady. Because he wants us, obviously, to learn to follow him. And I'm, I'm 42 years old. I, I honestly, I, I feel like I know hardly nothing. And I'm not being modest. I'm being as honest as I can be. But there's one thing that I've learned. Well, there's a few I've learned. But there's one thing that... Uh, is embedded in me right now. Is this. If you're going to. If you're going to seek God. If you're going to follow him. Don't think for one minute. He's going to give you an outline. Of where to go. It will. It is not going to happen. I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to have to do. You're going to be like those two blind men. That followed Jesus to JI After he left Jair's house. The, or the one with the issue of blood. It says two blind men followed Jesus. How do two blind men follow anybody? You're going to have to learn to follow in blind. And it takes faith to do it. And the thing about it, shoot, we can stay here all night long. When the Bible says God's not a respecter of persons, no, he's not a respecter of persons. His word's not a respecter of persons. But this is something else. I don't give a rip how, how young you are and how old you are. God ain't finished with nobody. You go back and you, you look a lot, Moses was 80, Abraham over 100, Joshua and Caleb then finally 80, Colonel Sanders and KFC 75, and we, you know, are y'all, are y'all still with me? You follow me? God don't, uh uh-uh, there's no such, uh-uh. ain't no such thing as that. There's no such thing as this. Remember what he, he told the parable about the man? It says, you know what? Everything's good now. I'm going to kick back, prop my head up, kick my feet up. And Jesus said, you fool, your life's required of you this night. It ain't time to sit back. You know? And I believe with all my heart, I mean, and everybody in here should, this is the last show. I I know. This is the last show. I mean, in other words, this is the end. We're seeing it with our eyes. I'm not being ugly or unkind. But this this new uh, Iowa, Iowa caucus with Pete Buttigieg and his husband on national TV, I'm not being unkind or rude, but I never in a million years would have thought my eyes would have ever seen something like this. This is what spoke to me. Somebody's fixing to shout, come up hither. Come up hither. I never in a million years would have ever seen even what I see with my eyes. And the Bible tells us that in the last days where it says knowledge will be increased, run to and fro. Remember how we're talking about the man I knew and my grandmother from horse and buggy to now. You can talk to somebody, touch a watch. Now it's been, this will be coming up in November now. And this is the most critical time ever in the the church's history ever. This is the most amazing time that we are seeing with our eyes. And God put Donald Trump in office. But since he took office, and this is something else, I said, somebody else, I said, this is so strange. Even since my mother left, which was, Three years ago, since Donald Trump took office, and I'm not saying it has anything to do with my mother going to heaven, but I'm just talking about using a timeline here. I have never seen, and nobody in this room has either, such hard, hard, hateful wickedness turned upside down in this country in three years than it has since the concept 1776. It's never ever been thought of. There's people now; they don't even know if they're male or female, and they won't. They get offended. I know some. They call themselves X. They don't. And I feel for a lot of them. That's the honest truth. I ain't being funny or trying to be modest, or I feel sorry for a lot of them because, honey. You need to be born again because this time is almost over. I think it's time for us to get into God's Word. Feed on this Word as much as you can. Find out, follow Him as diligently as you can. Stay with Him as diligently as you can because it's coming to an end. And I trust everybody in here. We're all going, but there's a vast majority out there that's not. Y'all out there? Did you go home? I guess we better, we better shut her down. Everybody's getting sleepy. <laughs> I don't want the nursery mad at me. Right? Well, I hope y'all got something out of it. But uh, let's just get in the Word and stick with it. Lord, we thank you. We're, we thank you that you are good to us. Lord, that your Word is forever settled in heaven. Lord, we choose never to quit, never to give up, but we're going to be good soil. Feeding upon Your Word and trusting You to bring the 30, 60, and 100 fold inside every heart right here. And we give You the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you here on Sunday. Thank you for listening to this message from 7 Mile Ministry.